practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for this text. We thank you for this exhortation. We thank you for the blessing that you have for us, Father. I pray that you would direct us through this text this morning, open our hearts to the truth that you have by your Spirit, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. As far as faith in Christ goes, as far as it is represented in the world, people can be put into three basic categories. The first is honest unbelievers, those who profess no faith in Christ and make no bones about stating that, that they don't believe that there is a God, they don't believe that there was a Jesus, they don't believe if there was a Jesus that anything he did has any effect on us for now or for eternity. Then you have the pretenders, those who try to act like they have faith in Christ, but they only do it for their benefit, for their gain. They actually are unbelievers, but try to pretend like they are believers. And finally, you have the true believers, those who believe with all their heart that there is a God who created this world, who created us, who sent his son to be persecuted, to be crucified, and to be resurrected. No, these true believers don't live perfect lives because they live in this fallen world. But they know to whom their faith, in whom their faith rests. And they know the gift that is awaiting them because of that faith, not by anything they've done. The title of my sermon this morning is The Reason for Giving. In our text today, Christ is separating the last two of the three different categories that you can put believers in Christ today. Based on the reason, in that reason for giving. As I said, when I went through the three, the pretenders are doing it for themselves. The true believers are doing it for God. And that's what Jesus is calling out and is pointing out in this text this morning. As we look at this text, we want to look at three questions. And they're not in your outline. I got them in a little late this week. But the three questions we want to look at are, what is righteousness? What is a reward? And what is a hypocrite? And breaking down those three words, I believe, shows us the essence of what Jesus is teaching in these four verses this morning. Starting in chapter 6, verse 1, and I encourage you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Matthew chapter 6. We'll be putting some other verses up on the screen as we go throughout, but we're going to be hitting some of these verses 
frequently as we go through these four verses as we go through this text this morning. So I encourage you to have it open so you have it in front of you. But in chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Well, first of all, he doesn't say, Don't practice your righteousness. He says, Beware of. I like to rephrase it just to get it in my mind is to be aware of. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, We've covered this verse, but it says, Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works, your acts of righteousness, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Scripture does not contradict itself. You say, but Kevin, verse 16 of chapter 5 and verse 1 of chapter 6, they would seem to, but they don't. What Jesus is saying is, let God be glorified in your good works. Today's text reinforces the consequences of wrong motives. Jesus isn't saying to hide all of your good works. He says, yes, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. But the truth is, we just can't keep something secret. We can't go through our life living a life of obedience, a true life of obedience, and it not be noticed. What Jesus is saying, if it is secret, let it be secret. Don't go out of your way to have people notice it. He's exhorting you not to flaunt your good works, not to seek credit for them, and most importantly, not to put your faith in those good works. So what is it that you're not supposed to put your faith in? What is righteousness? Basically, in the simplest definition I could think of, is godly actions. In chapter 6, verse 2, Jesus says, thus, pretty much he's saying, for example. He's taking verse 1, he's saying, for example, this is what I'm talking about. When you give to the needy, keep it secret. Don't brag about it, but let's keep it broad. Let's take it farther than just giving of your material possessions. Whether it's giving or other things that are mentioned in these few chapters in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, like enduring persecution or unconditional love for others. And we'll get to, in the verses to come, we'll get to prayer and we'll get to fasting as just a few examples. These actions, these acts of righteousness flow out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. They are gifts of the Spirit, as we went through in our study of the letter to the Galatians. And they are made available to us completely and wholly by Christ's sacrifice. Not by anything that we've done or any special abilities that we have. They are imitations of God's very character flowing through us by the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' concern in this text is why we do these righteous acts. Why do we do the good things that we do? Well, the truth is, for our actions, we are going to receive a reward. The degree or the positive or negative effect of that reward 
depends on our actions. Depends on the motive for our actions. What exactly is the reward that Jesus is speaking of in this text? The Greek word is defined as the appropriate consequence or completion of a course of action. It's the end result of an action. It's the effect of what we do. The Greek word is also in the New Testament sometimes translated as wages, as a payment for something done. It can, as I said, be negative. Acts chapter 1, verse 18. It says, This man, speaking of Judas, acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. He was paid for his wickedness. And he bought a field with that reward. The word reward, most of the time, in our modern language, is considered as a positive thing. And this word reward in the New Testament is actually always singular. I didn't think about that until I was, I didn't realize that until I was studying this text. It's not rewards, it's reward, as in one single reward awaiting us. And that reward is eternal life, the gift of eternal life. Scripture speaks repeatedly of what is to come for the faithful. Revelation chapter 22 verse 4 says they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. 1 John chapter 3 verse 2 Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Getting to this Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Jesus frequently appeals to reward as a motivation for righteousness. I encourage you to read through the Sermon on the Mount in its entirety. Read through it again. Study it. Look for Jesus' encouragement. Look at the five things that we mentioned earlier. Whether he's talking about giving, or persecution, or love, prayer, or fasting. Also in the New Testament, there's five different passages that refer to us as believers receiving a crown. One of those instances in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, I want to inject here just a little bit. There are often discussions about the varying degrees of reward in heaven itself. I want to encourage you this morning not to get distracted by that. We are going to 
discuss that and cover that more as we continue through the Gospel of Matthew. But for now, please remember that God is completely righteous and and completely just. He is not unfair. He is perfectly loving. So as you question those levels of reward in heaven, please look at it through the eyes and, and the reality, the truth, that they are passed out if they do exist. They are passed out by a a righteous and a just God. But back to what Jesus is saying. He says, don't manufacture righteous acts is basically what he's telling us. Don't do it in order to be seen by men or to be praised by others as these verses tell us. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 16, he says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Your fruits will testify as to who you are, as to who you have put your faith. Yeah, you can fake it for a while, but you will be exposed. Someone will know the true you. No, they're not your ultimate judge, but in the end, God knows. Right now, God knows. In summary, all true believers will receive the great reward of seeing God face to face. That is the ultimate reward that Jesus is speaking of. Hope I didn't give you some false hope when I said in summary, because it's in summary of that point. So don't start warming up dinner early. But that reward comes by faith and not by our works. It comes by faith alone. Our works, our righteous acts come out of our faith in Jesus Christ. They are a product of our faith and not by any means of how good of a Christian we are. This next verse I'm quoting out of the NIV. It's from Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. But we're convinced. And I say convinced. I want to stress that we're not tricked into believing the lies of Satan. We are convinced We buy into it. We want to settle for less. Because the truth is, we have the tools to overcome. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11. Paul says, put on the full armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. When we are fully equipped with the armor provided by God that is available to each of us as believers, we have the power to stand against the schemes of the devil. It's our refusal to trust in our faith, to trust in God, to trust in the object of our faith is the reason we, bec- we fall victim to Satan's deceit, to his deception, to his misguided direction. And it's no accident that he misguides us. His desire is to destroy us so that he can destroy any glory that may be due, that may be headed toward God. 
Satan just doesn't understand that it's a losing battle. <clears throat> the truth is, if we take our eyes off of God, we're convinced that immediate gratification is what we want. We want the here, we want the now. Let's put it in natural terms this morning. Do you ever compromise quality to get something quicker? On a real simple basis, a home-cooked meal is a lot better than a TV dinner, isn't it? But it takes time and effort to produce that home-cooked meal. Eternal life cannot be compared to temporary gratification. Eternal life is, is permanent. It's never-ending. It's completely filling. And the things that this world has to offer, the temporary gratification, sometimes it gives us no gratification. It gives us a false promise. Often it gives us a temporary gratification. It might even give us a gratification that lasts until the end of our life here, but it will not pass into eternity. It feels good when people admire us. When people give us a good old pat on the back. When people honor us in some way. Well, those acknowledgments are temporary. Those people will move on to someone else. The next best thing. The next great thing that comes along. The next dynamic personality. The next person who has something to offer that you don't have to offer. Human accolades mean nothing for eternity. Human companionship, believe it or not, means nothing for eternity. That doesn't mean that we're disqualified if we get those rewards. But if those rewards are what we live for, our eternity is in question. If you're living for the acknowledgement of man, for the fulfillment of material things, or earthly pleasures and gratification... They're going to come up short, if not in this life, when we cross into eternity. If our faith is not in eternal things, we face a dire position in eternity. God is the only one who offers us eternal life. And we cannot fake our way into eternal life. You say, Kevin, what do you mean, fake? How do we fake our way? Jesus, in this, context, in this text this morning, uses the word hypocrite. He said, you, you can't do like the hypocrites do. Well, what is a hypocrite? In our contemporary language, it basically means someone who says one thing but does another. That is true. And that is what a hypocrite is. And we probably all know hypocrites, sadly, in our flesh. We've most likely each been a hypocrite at some point in our lives. But the basic meaning behind the word hypocrite in this text is an act, an actor. A pretender, if you will. Jesus is describing someone who is trying to act like a righteous person by doing righteous things. Trying to portray righteousness by following the rules by doing what is expected 
And in the meantime, making sure that everyone notices, saying, hey, look at me, I'm a Christian because I'm doing this and I'm doing this. I'm going to church. I'm praying publicly. I'm singing. I'm doing all these great things. I'm serving in, in not-for-profit organizations or whatever it may be. Those can all be acts. They can be an attempt to pretend to be something that you're not. Is that you this morning? Do you, are you here this morning pretending to be a Christian? Are you teaching Sunday school pretending to be a Christian? Are you serving in the church? Are you serving in the community portraying Christian values pretending to be a Christian? Is that what you're teaching your children? Are you different at home than you are in public? Are you teaching your children to act like a Christian? Or are you teaching them to be a Christian? That doesn't mean, again, that you do everything perfectly. But when you do something contrary to the nature of Christ, to the nature of God, do you confess it? Do you own it? Are you broken because of it? Do your children see that? Or are you encouraging your children to act to be actors so that they can be praised for their good works so that you can be praised for their good works, for their good behavior, for how many Bible verses they can recite? Are you encouraging them to act like Christians? Are you showing them how to act? Are they following your lead? Is it maybe what you've been taught? Your parents before you acted like Christians. They came to church on Sunday and acted like the world on Monday. It doesn't have to be that way. You have an opportunity to break the cycle. You have an opportunity to stop it. Do you know what you're costing your children? Do you know what you're costing yourself? Jesus says then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. You will have no eternal life if you're a pretender. If we think we can act the part, if we teach our children to do the same, we will see no need in a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. We'll just seek to be better actors, better pretenders. Jesus says... They have received their reward. If you have settled with, in life with being a pretender, with being an actor, the reward you get is what you receive in this life and nothing else. Why are you this morning acting like a Christian? Why are you here in this congregation this morning? Why do you comment praying on those Facebook prayer requests? Is it because you want to glorify God? Is it because you genuinely care for other people? Or is it because you're supposed to? Because that's part of the act. Is it because it'll help your image as a Christian? And it'll help you out in your social circles? In different things, it'll, it'll help you get ahead in life. Matthew chapter 6, verse 4. Your father 
who sees in secret will reward you. Again, that reward is eternal life. That reward is awaiting you when you cross over into eternity. You see, we believe the lie. Jesus summed it up to the woman at the well this way. In John chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The water, the works that this world has to offer, the rewards that this world has to offer will fade away. As I said before, often will give you no satisfaction, not even a temporary satisfaction, just a false hope. Only Christ, only resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ and putting your faith in that work will satisfy you now and satisfy you forever. You want peace in this life? Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You want eternal life to dwell in the presence of the God who created you. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Not in checking off some boxes in this life so that you can act like a Christian. But in putting your faith and resting in your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. There are sacrifices to be made to do that. You, may, you are going to look different in this world. You may be classified as a holy roller, as a party pooper. It's okay. Because I guarantee you, those people who are going out weekend after weekend, trying to get the next great party, those who are chasing relationship after relationship, acting like they're living the good life, have no peace in their hearts. That may be you this morning. There is peace available in this life. That doesn't mean that you will avoid hardship, but it means when the hardships come, you will be tapped into the source of true peace and in the promise of a gift, the reward of eternal life to come. This morning, are you a pretender? What is your reason for giving? Do you do just enough righteous acts to make yourself feel better. To put on a good face before other people who themselves might just be pretenders. Do you live a life of sin and hope that the good will cancel out the bad? And if you get enough good in the bank, you'll slide into heaven because you had just enough. Are you sitting here this morning hungover? Are you feeling guilty for lying? For stealing? For some other immoral act that has just become a part of who you are because it's not who you are. You were created in the image of Christ who wants to come and redeem you and to free you from the bondage of all those acts of sin. All those bondages of sin. 
Are you sitting here this morning thinking a little dose of righteousness will cover up all your wretchedness? And you can still go do it and come back and get another little dose of righteousness and performing righteous acts to cover it up and give the appearance of being a Christian. I tell you this morning not to condemn you, not to cast you aside, but to encourage you. There is so much more than what you're living. There's peace available to you that if you're living that life of a a pretender, of an actor, that you have never known, you have never embraced. There are those in your life who you see face trials. We've had testimonies of it in this congregation. Those who have faced trials and have faced it with courage and peace. And you wonder, how can they do that when I can't even tackle my little problems? They do it because of their faith in Jesus Christ, which means they don't do it. They rest in the one who does. Again, I tell you that this morning not to condemn you, not to tell you it's hopeless. If you've read your Bible at all, you know that there is hope. And that is an expected hope, an expected hope that God will provide God will empower. God will strengthen. And yeah, you may be in the middle of a trial and you may be feeling discouraged. That doesn't mean that you're a pretender. That just means that you need to remember who it is that you have put your faith and your trust in. And yeah, you may still have some ups and downs, but God is there. God is carrying you. God loves you unconditionally. God loves you purely, unexpectedly. He doesn't expect anything in you. He just desires for you to put your trust in him completely. Because the truth is, if you are being a pretender, if you are acting like a Christian, you're only fooling yourself. You may fool other people, some. You may fool other people for the extent of your life, but you will not fool God. You will not get fool the one who is offering you unconditionally the gift of eternal life. If you want true peace this morning and from this day forward, if you want true satisfaction and rest in this life, stop looking to temporary gratification, to the things that this life offers, to the big salary, to the big group of friends, to the career, to the next perfect relationship. Stop looking to those things. God will provide those in his time and in his plan and in his sovereignty. But stop looking to those things that are only temporary and surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And when you do that, God's love will flow out of you. It will flow into the lives of your children, to the life of your spouse, to the lives of your co-workers, to the lives of your fellow church girls, goers. God's love is abundant. And the only thing keeping you from embracing that abundance and receiving the promises for this life and the promise of the reward of eternal life is your failure to put your full trust and rest and hope in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Jesus in this text this morning is not just encouraging us to open our bank accounts. 
He's encouraging us and reminding us of the reward reward that is to come when we open our hearts to the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, we thank you for the great reward. Not plural, not rewards, not this smorgasbord, smorgasbord of things that we can just pick and choose from. But the one great reward of eternal life that satisfies everything. All thirst, all spiritual hunger, all of our needs. Not for an hour or a day or a lifetime, but for eternity. God, help us discern between the temporary promises of this life and the beauty of the promises of eternal life. God, if there are hearts here this morning who are living as pretenders, who are acting like Christians so that they can get by, Lord, open their hearts, open their minds to the truth of the fact that they don't have to be pretenders anymore, that they don't have to just get by, that when they open their hearts completely and surrender the things of this life that seem so hard to let go of, that when they do that, Father, that they won't just be getting by. They will be filled abundantly with your peace and your strength and your hope and your promises, God. Lord, I pray that hearts this morning here, that if they are living as pretenders, Lord, that they will open their minds, open their hearts, and surrender their lives to you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.